All right. Well, I must warn y'all, Sandy and Marilyn got me studying Genesis. So, we're not done with Genesis yet. <laughs> so, turn with me this morning, <clears throat> if you will. Hmm, not the Nehemiah. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and lift up each and every individual sitting here and those watching from afar. Father, we just pray for every circumstance that is in each life here this morning and those that we do not know about. We lift them up to you. Lord, you are Lord of all circumstances. Lord, you are comfort in all circumstances. And you are peace in all circumstances. Lord, as we open your scripture this morning, I ask that you would just be with each and every one of us, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear what you have to say to us here this morning. Reveal something to us, just a small nugget to enrich our faith. These things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, we finished chapter 4 last week, started and finished. I kind of skipped, I know. And I had no intention. I don't know how long I'll be in Genesis. You know, I just, I just, I just go where the Lord leads me. So uh, we'll just see how this goes. But I do want to pick up in Genesis chapter 5 this morning. And, and there at the, at, the, at the end of chapter 4, uh, it was talking about the family of Cain. The family, the lineage of Cain. And from the time that Cain slew Abel until Seth comes along, it, it is a picture of death. Okay? And, and let me remind you that it, it says there at the end of chapter 4, and it said, and as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and they named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So it wasn't again until Seth came on the scene that the, the, the replacement for Abel that, that men turned back and started calling on the Lord. Okay, So keep that in mind. The opening words of this chapter are, are quite different. And, and I want to make sure that, that I point them out. And, and, and until I got deep into this Genesis book of, it's been, man, I don't know how old I was when we did Genesis with Pink. But man, it is, it is so good. But so a lot of this, most of this is coming from that book. Okay. But it is so worth us, us seeing and sharing again together. Now, Marilyn and Sandy may get bored. I don't know. But, but it, it is worth taking note of. And, and there are some really, really good points here that I want to make this morning. 
So here in chapter 5, it says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived. Now, all you folks out there in your 70s and 80s, I don't want to hear no complaining. You've got a long way to go. So all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived, nine, uh, lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 900. And five years, and he died. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalalel. After he begot Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and begot Jared. And he, after he begot Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Now, we're going to get busy in just a minute, but this, I don't want to skip any of this. Jared lived 160 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years, and he begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son. He called the name of the son Noah, saying, this one, will comfort, this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, if you just read over that chapter, you think, man, that is the most, what in the, that is boring there. You want to skip it. But there are some very interesting nuggets in that little, little chapter. Amen. It's not just to read the names of everybody and who they had. Okay? So, First of all, I want to start in the very beginning where it says, this is the book of the generation of Adam. Okay? Nowhere else in Genesis, nor in the Old Testament, does this form of expression recur. However, we do find it once in the New Testament. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew 1, 1 says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Those are the two only places in the Bible where this, this expression is used. Now, why is this significant? Well, first, the book of the generations of Adam in, in the Old Testament are enrolled the names of all the fallen descendants of the first man. The second, in Matthew, the book, the, the book of the generations of Jesus are inscribed the names of all the, re, the redeemed by grace. Good stuff, isn't it? One is the book of death, and one is the Lamb's book of life. The whole of the book centers around these, the, the whole Bible centers around these two books. The history of the development of Adam's progeny, and the history and development of Jesus and his brethren. O righteous Abel has been slain when we get right here in the, in the beginning of this chapter. And his replacement is Seth. But the descendants of Cain in the, in, the, in the end of the last chapter are doomed for destruction. It is Seth that Noah shall come from. As we get, get further into this. It is, it is Seth that Noah shall come from. And that shall emerge from the ark to replenish the earth. Not Cain, but Seth. So let's skip now and, and put our focus in, in verse 21 of chapter 5. Enoch, I, I, we've always been amazed about Enoch, hadn't we? There's not much said here about Enoch. Enoch. Actually, when you dig into it and you think about the attributes that Enoch must have possessed in his righteousness and in his walk with God, there is a lot here. There is quite a lot here. But there's very few words placed here about Enoch. But in verse 21 it said, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Okay? So after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now how many times in there does it say he walked with God? Several, right? More than once. He could have just said it one time, but... But, but it's not. It's repeated, isn't it? Now, not only that, but eight times in, in, in this chapter, we read the words, and he died. As it goes through all those people, and it says, and he died. Okay? But there's only one time in here that we don't. But it says, it says here, Enoch walked with God. There's only two men 
whom is said in Scripture to walk with God. Okay? He is one of but two men who lived on this earth and without passing through the portals of death went to heaven. He is the only one other than Jesus whom it is written he pleased God. He pleased God. He lived on earth before the flood in which the inhabitants of the earth at that time must have been. Now think about because we've already we've already hit the point that, that from the time until, from Cain until Seth comes on the scene, nobody, no, nobody called on the Lord. So it must have been quite wicked here on earth during that time. It, we think it's bad, don't we? In the time that we live. But I, I'm here to tell you there's people here on earth today that are calling on the Lord. He's got his remnant here. But... But between Cain and Seth, it says, it implies that there was no one in that stretch of time who was righteous. So, so think about how wickedness really must have been wickedness. So, Seth comes onto the scene. And they start calling on the Lord again. But it says here that Enoch pleased God. He must have had, had to stand alone in some forms and facets in order to please God. He must have had to take a stand against wickedness and evil in a time that was so bad that we can't even imagine. Now, put yourself... In a situation where you're the only one. I know we've been in those situations, haven't we? Have you ever been in a situation where things are going on around about you that you know aren't of God? You know that He wouldn't ordain you to be in that situation or partake in that situation. And here, here you, you're, put, you're being put in a place where you're going to have to take a stand. And boy, you don't want to, do you? You'd rather just duck and run. But God doesn't allow us to sometimes, does he? <laughs> we get that old squeeze going on. And we have to stand up and we have to say, I'm not going to participate in this. This is unholy. God wouldn't have me participate in this or be a part of this. And we have to take a stand. Enoch must have been in that situation. He must have. It doesn't tell us explicitly. But, but if he is the only one and he's, he's walking with God and he's in a world that, that has not been calling on God and has not been per, uh, partaking in the things that God would have him partake in, he must have been in those situations. Doesn't tell us he was a hermit. So he must have had interactions. We know very little. And little is told us about Enoch. But there are some suggestions and implications that we can take out of these few words here in Genesis 5 about Enoch. Enoch walks with God. 
It tells us time and time again that he walked with God. That means he had a relationship, a living, live relationship with God. What's that, what, what does that imply? Reconciliation. Enoch's walk with God implies reconciliation. Amos 3.3 3 says this, How can two walk together except they agreed? So if Enoch was walking with God, then, then he must have been in agreement with God. Amen? Amen? If we, you and I, are going to walk with God and have a righteous walk with God, we have to be in agreement with Him. We have to be in agreement with His principles, His statutes, and the things that He ordains. Otherwise, we can't walk with God. It's black and white. There's no middle ground. Walking together supposes agreement, sympathy, and harmony. You know, I think about the application of this in, in, in marriage, in our marriage. Me, Felicia and I have a walk together. A walk, a walk in, on this earth as husband and wife, as well as a walk in Christ. And, and, and when... And when we're not in agreement, not just for Felicia and I, but for our entire family, there's implications that all the way through. But in order for us to be in agreement, we have harmony. It's harmonious. And, and through that harmony comes what? Peace. Satisfaction. Even when I don't get my way. Well, I'm, I'm serious. It's not about... When, when you're in agreement with someone and you're, and you're walking in harmony with someone, it's not about you, is it? It's about us. It's actually about putting the other one first. So for Enoch to walk with God and be in harmony with God, we know that God didn't, didn't get in line with Enoch. Enoch had to get in line with God. Therefore, he must have, in everything he did, put God first and honor Him. Amen? He couldn't be at enmity with God and walk with God. Think about that. Won't work. God did not conform to Enoch, but Enoch to God. A walk with God supposes the judicial putting away of sin and the impartation of the divine nature from God to the one who walked with him in Enoch. What does the Bible say? Light hath no communion with darkness. So Enoch was holy. Enoch walked a righteous life. Enoch was completely and wholly focused on God and God's will only. 
for us to walk with God and 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 be imparted with that divine nature we have to be that same way we have to have those same attitudes you say well I don't want to hear it because we already know that Enoch lived in as wicked a world as you could live in so you and I don't have any excuse the Bible has already told us that, that basically God was removed in that span of time from, from men and, and it was very, very wicked. So, so mine and your circumstances in the world that we live in today are of no effect. To walk with God implies moral fitness. To walk with God implies that morally Enoch was fit. Say, so, hmm. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Moral fitness. We must be daily bathed by the blood of Jesus. We must take a bath in the blood of the cross daily from our sins to be morally fit to walk with God. I know I have to take that bath daily. Sometimes two and three times a day. Because I'm as, as far away from morally fit as you can get. But to, to, to say that, that Enoch walked with God implies that he was morally fit. So we must strive to be morally fit. In order that we might walk with God and partake in those blessings of that righteousness that, that is imparted to us. To walk with God implies a completely surrendered will. You see, we can't walk with God and, and be in harmony and sympathy with God when we're concerned about our own ways and what we want. Can we? But I don't know about you, but they sure get in the way for me sometimes. But to walk with God implies a completely surrendered will to God's will. That, that there is no concern for anything else other than what God wants for our life. At whatever the cost. You say, I, I, I try to, I think that's where I try to live. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Go back and, and study yourself. Study yourself. And I can only speak for, for me. But I find myself praying for God's will and then trying to twist it to mine. I say that I want God's will, but yet 
I try to manipulate things to go my way. That's our human nature. It's our human nature. You say, well, Enoch, he, no, Enoch, Enoch was fallen nature too. Enoch was from Seth. Seth was from Adam. We are, we're, all from, we're all from the same lineage. You say, well, God must have given Enoch more, Enoch more grace. Well, he may have. I can't answer that. That's, that's for God to disperse, not me. But what I can tell you is that God will give you the grace to be where you're supposed to be. Amen. He will provide the grace for you to be in your walk exactly where you're supposed to be. But you and I have a responsibility to, to act on that grace and be responsible to what He's divvied out to you and me and not misuse it. Abuse it. Morally fit to walk with God implies spiritual communion. Walk <coughs> the word walk suggests steady progress. Think about it for a minute. If you're going to walk somewhere, you start at point A and where you end up at point B, right? So you progress from point A all the way through that journey to point B. The word walk suggests steady progress. Enoch, for Enoch, a 300 year steady progress. <coughs> 300 years. Think about that. 300 years of walking with God. Think about what uh, the amount of understanding that he must have had. The, the revelation that he must have had about God. He is, it says that he, the, 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 I mean, uh, we, we've already implied that it was spiritual communion. Think about the, the intense relationship he must have had with God. Man. The knowledge that, that was imparted to him. The understanding and how he must have appreciated the excellency of God. And, and really had a view of the excellency and the majesty and the supremacy after 300 years. Even a greater enjoyment of God's perfections. He's living in a world that's so wicked we've already, we've already mentioned that I, I just, I, I'm sure that he, I just want to imagine that he, that he just, he looked around him and then he was just like in awe of, of, of the extreme wickedness, but yet he's in, he's in such communion with God that he, that he sees the extreme between that wickedness and that righteousness of God. He could, he, he must have been, been really able to take that in and understand it. A consequence of Enoch's walk with God 
must have been great joy and peace. If you're walking in spiritual communion, you're, you have a surrendered will, and all of those other things that we've talked about, the only thing, the, the, one of the greatest results that, that can come out of that is great joy and peace. Great joy and peace. How could you be miserable? You're walking with God for 300 years. Your companion is God. What, what misery can be in that? You're talking about feeling good all the time. He never, he must have never got up to a bad day. I'm, 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 making, I'm making assumptions here. But what joy and peace he must have experienced. How could any day be gloomy? Psalms 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. <coughs> Enoch was dwelling in the place of the Most High. I ask you where you're dwelling. Some days I'd like to think I'm dwelling there. But other days I don't. But Enoch must, it, Enoch, to walk with God, Enoch must have dwelt in the, in the, in the Almighty. What did he say? He must have dealt in the secret place the Most High all the time. We, we don't have any, we, we don't, again, we have very few words about any. But what, but what we have lends us to, to believe that, that Enoch wasn't, he, he, he wasn't as weak as I am. He, did, he didn't get off, get off track very often. It said he walked with God that time. He was focused. He must have dwelt with the Almighty and under the shadow of the Almighty all the time. That's protection, isn't it? That's security. Another consequence of his walk with God must have been his witness. Can you imagine the witness that Enoch must have been in a world that was so wicked? He, he must have been a walking testimony. I'm not. Sometimes I'd like to think I am, but very quickly, when I about the time I think I am, God shows me some old wretched something that's in my life that I need to deal with, that I need to get under submission. Before you can witness for God, you first must walk with Him. Luke. 4.8 says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou worship. I'm going to tell you something. There's a, there's lack, lack, whether you like to admit it or not, there are things in our life other than God that sometimes we worship. 
It's different for all of us. There's some false idols in our lives. But if we're going to walk with God, we can't have any of those. We can't have any of those. I'm not telling you here this morning that there's not things that, that you shouldn't like or things you shouldn't like to do or partake in. I don't mean that. God created us all with, with different things that we like and, 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 and things that, that motivate us to keep going and live in this life and, and, and get through this world. I'm not saying that at all. But, but when they come in place of God, they become an issue. When you put those things before God, they're an issue. They're a false idol. And it, I don't know about you, but sometimes it is very difficult to realize that we have placed those things in that position. It's like, uh-oh. I've made, I've, made, I've made a problem out of that. I've got a problem. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about addiction or, or gambling. I'm not even talking about stuff like that. I'm just talking about stuff. You know? There was a time in my life I loved to rope. Loved to rope. Lived for the next time I could go rope. And I didn't hesitate a moment to put, go to a roping on Sunday before I come to church. That's an issue. That's an issue. That's just one example. But we all have things in our lives that... that can be healthy, but if we're not careful, we can allow them to be put in God's place in our life. Enoch walked with God. Verse 24 said, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. God took him. Didn't say he died, did it? Said God took him. God translated Enoch. He transferred Enoch. From here to over there. God carried, carried Enoch across death. Death is the river that divides this world from the one to come. And Enoch never had to go through it. He transferred him. He translated him. He picked him up off of one shore and set him on the other one. His faith became sight. After walking 300 years with God, he went from... From, from this shore to this shore and was communing face to face with God Almighty. His faith became sight. I think about my faith and how weak it is. How weak it is. And if you put my faith up beside Enix, it's... <laughs> Real weak. But the Bible said God, God gives us more grace. 
He keeps pouring out His grace so that His people will persevere and endure to the end. Last point I want to make. Enoch, Enoch is a type of those believers who shall be alive. Listen to this. Enoch is a type of those believers who shall be alive on the earth when our Lord shall descend from the air and catch us up unto himself. Amen. What a day. 1 Corinthians says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We, we, not, all sleep, we, we not all sleep, but, but we shall all be changed. Enoch was changed. We, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye and at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in, will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Enoch was changed. Enoch was changed. He was transferred from this earth to God's kingdom. Changed. Just as Enoch was translated to the heaven without having to face death, so also will those of us who remain at the Lord's return. Hey, I'd, love, I'd love to be a part of that trip. Amen. I'd love to be a part of that trip. I want to hear that trumpet. In the twinkling of an eye. Bible says his countenance is like lightning. Anybody watch the lightning in these storms the last few? Every time I watch lightning, I think of I think of that. In the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, there's not gonna be any time for you to decide, I better get right. His countenance is like lightning. There's not going to be time for you to sit down and get on your knees and, and, and cry out for mercy. It's quicker than the fingers can snap. Amen. You've got to be right now. You've got to be made ready now. You've got to be walking with God now. We've got to be like Enoch and, and, and not turn back and just walk for 300 years or however long God holds us here. I don't know. What a glorious day for those that are redeemed. For those that he's poured out his mercy on and called his own. The bugle's going to blow. And just like that, God's people are going to be in the presence of the Father. Walking with God. Walking with God. Are you walking with God this morning? I know my footsteps could be a lot more, a lot better. My footsteps and my walk need examined. And from time to time, my knees need to get a little dirty. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this example in Scripture of a righteous man 
who left an example for us to follow in walking with you. A man that pleased you. Who had a relationship with you that pleased you. May we strive to live like Enoch. I ask you, Father, this morning that you would just stir our hearts and our minds and drive us back to your word that we might have great revival in this nation. That that, that the pouring out of your, your spirit would just flow like a river. And turn people back to you. I ask for your protection on each and every one sitting here. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every individual sitting here, Lord, in this church. And more than anything, Father, we ask that what we do here might glorify you. That we not be caught up in lifting ourselves up but instead exalting you. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.